You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming up on today's episode, we get to all your questions and comments on our ranking series, including the forwards, defense, and goalies. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Rewicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. All right, let's get right into it here because we got a long weekend to get to and these cold ones aren't staying chilly forever. Like the intro said, it's a mailbag episode with all your thoughts on our ranking series so far, so I'm excited to get to all the comments and the questions. Thanks, by the way, to everybody that, that did send me something. I, I love hearing from you, love talking hockey with everybody, so so keep that coming. Feel free to send me all your thoughts, and I'd love to get to those either on Twitter or here on the podcast. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, at Brandon underscore Rewiki or the podcast at SkatesPlatesPod. But in case you need a refresher of where the Jets ranked so far in our series, I had Winnipeg headed into this season with a 19th ranked forward group, the 17th ranked defense core, and the 4th ranked goaltending in the NHL. Now, I just want to touch on this quickly before we get to the rest of your comments here, but just because several people mentioned this to me um, in, in some of their replies on Twitter... Um, but a bunch of you kind of felt like, you know, the Jets forwards being ranked 19th didn't make a whole lot of sense because they're more talented than the Jets defense group, which is ranked 17th in the NHL. So, you know, why if one group is more talented than the other in theory, why are they ranked at a higher spot than the other group? And quite simply, they're just they're two separate rankings. They're, they're not being pitted against each other. Um, you know, I, I guess mainly I feel like there's way more talent up front in the NHL these days than there is on the back end. It, it does like, and there, there's there's some outstanding defensemen, but it does feel like the forward group these days is is really high end and it's really deep with that level of talent. So it's more difficult for a team to rank high for me at least when it comes to the forward groups, less so. When it comes to the defensemen, kind of, you know, grading on a curve a little bit there. So that's why, you know, for me, I don't look at the rankings as, you know, the Jets defense group is better than their forward group. It's just where each each uh, position ranks league wide. But with that out of the way, 
why don't we get to the comments here, shall we? And we'll actually start out with a name I think you're all familiar with. And that would be the hustler himself. Andrew Patterson actually popped this question to me today. And I thought it was a beauty going into the year. I haven't really had a chance to, to think a whole lot about this or, or get into it. But Hustler asked, what would be a good season for Cole Perfetti? What are realistic expectations for Cole Perfetti heading into his first full season with the Winnipeg Jets? And I would say that reasonable expectations would be, at minimum, a unanimous Calder Trophy victory. <laughs> you know, and obviously kidding there, but, you know, having said that, there is a lot of pressure on Cole Perfetti to perform, and, and not only to perform at a, at a good level for a youngster, but he's going to be asked to be a pretty significant contributor inside this team's top six this year. Because, yes, you have, you know, electric point-of-game wingers and Ehlers and Connor on the other side of things. But, you know, there's a pretty good chance that Cole Perfetti is, might just slot in as the number one right wing going into training camp this year. Like, I, if even if Blake Wheeler is on the team, it does feel like, you know, even though a trade hasn't materialized to this point, that there's been like a metaphorical passing of the torch, if you will, and at the very least... They might want to give Blake Wheeler second line minutes, which would in theory thrust Cole Perfetti up the lineup. But there's not really a good fallback option on the right wing if Cole Perfetti struggles for any length of time. And I like Mason Appleton's game a ton, but you know he's probably best suited for a third line role. And after that, I mean, you know, Jansen Arkins is more so on the left side. Morgan Barron, the same sort of thing. You get into guys like, you know, Gustafson, Toninato, Reichel. There's not a lot the Jets can really bank on if, if Cole Perfetti falls that's inside the organization to pick up the slack if the rookie isn't off to a great start this year. So so I, I'll be intrigued to see how he produces and plays right out of the gate. Is he going to be, you know, comfortable and, and, you know, letting the game come to him? Or is Cole Perfetti maybe going to try to do a little bit too much and, and try to force the issue, and we might see a little bit of bumps in the road early on in the season. My my line of thinking when it comes to what would be a, a good season for Cole Perfetti is, is kind of twofold. Um, the first would be to play at least 70 games this year. Uh, you know, we, I mean, you look at his, his frame, and it's he's a young kid. He's just coming out of being a teenager. Um, you know, not overly big, and, and not, you know, he's, he's a good skater, but he's not... Uh, a speed demon or anything like that. I, it, it was kind of evident in his first run with the Jets last year that, you know what, he was getting banged up and it ultimately cost him a good chunk of the season. And I would like to see him be able to withstand the rigors of an 82-game campaign. Yeah, he's probably going to miss a game or two here or there. I mean, that's that's the nature of the biz. But I think if Cole Perfetti first and foremost could play 70-plus games this year, that's a positive step in the right direction that at least physically he's going to be able to hold up at the NHL level. But production-wise, you know, it's a little bit tough because a lot of production for, especially for upper-class forwards, for, for top six guys, is so power play dependent. There, there's that caveat to be thrown in there. But to me... I, I think 40 to 50 points would be a good mark for, for Cole Perfetti in, in his first season. Um, I, I kind of look at it as if he can go 75 games and 50 points, 
That's probably an A grade for for Cole Perfetti there. Um, is he capable of doing more? Yeah, I think he is. I I, I think the world of of Cole Perfetti. To, to me, when I watch him play, he's he kind of reminds me of of Mitch Marner light. You know, he's maybe not as explosive uh, skating wise as as Mitch Marner is, but I feel like they both see the game in a similar way. And, and I I do think Perfetti has point of game potential. Um, to get to that, I I do think he would need to be up and above 40 points for this upcoming season. But like I said, if he's on the second power play for the majority of the year, but is an extremely strong, even strength producer, then hey, maybe 35, 40 points is an excellent season for him. But but somewhere in that ballpark, I think most Jets fans would be really, really thrilled. And that would be a good step in the right direction in terms of him being um, a primetime performer for the club sooner rather than later. Let's continue with the forward group here. And this is a great one from, from Ryan on Twitter, RSN204. Um, always, a good, always a good time chatting hockey with Ryan. Um, but Ryan had a bit of a problem with my, my forward rankings for the Jets. And, and Ryan says, quite frankly, too low on the forwards. Forwards for the Jets were 11th and 8th in goals for and expected goals for this past season. Does their defense knock them down that significantly? Great question, and the answer is yes. <laughs> it really does. I mean, this group is among the worst in the NHL in terms of play inside their own end. Uh, you know, now, probably shouldn't throw Adam Lowry in that group. Probably shouldn't throw Mason Appleton in that group and, and you know, maybe one or two others in the bottom six. But, look, Kyle Connor is one of the best point producers in, in the game right now. He is maybe the worst defensive winger in all of hockey. <laughs> Mark Shifley. I, we don't even have to get into that. That that's been a that's been a podcast episode, you know, a couple times a couple times a month for the last year and a half now. And for for hey, I, I love Nikolai Ehlers. He's not that great inside his own zone either. And and Blake Wheeler, it's more age related, but he's certainly taken a step back inside his own end as well. And and Dubois, I think Dubois is pretty solid, but you know if you look at some of the metrics out there, he's average to below average when it comes to to play inside his own end, suppressing chances and and things like that. So yes, I I do believe that's the biggest knock on this forward group is that defensively they give everything back and and maybe even give everything back and then some, you know some of the some of the, some of the most skilled players in the NHL. But they just don't deliver that same intensity and effort in their own half of the ice. And, and that, to me, has been the biggest fault for this team these past few seasons. The defense core, this defense core at least, needs some help. Connor Hellebuck needs, he, he can't be Vesna Hellebuck every single night. And I think too often the Winnipeg Jets forward group has hung the entire team defense out to dry. And, and yeah, I maybe more harshly than other people... But I pretty severely docked the Winnipeg Jets a ton of points in that because, look, the name of the game isn't to score, it's to outscore your opposition. And I'm totally fine <laughs> trying to win games 5-4, 6-5, all that. Um, you could do it that way, you can do it 2-1-3-2, but you got to outscore them one way or the other. And, and too often, the Jets have been letting in 4-5 at one end and only putting in 2 or 3 at the other end. And I, I, you know, for me, when I look at forward groups, you know, the, the offensive production and the skill is great. And I'll always lean towards that in building a team. But there's got to be a little bit of give and take there. There's got to be 
a lot more effort, a lot more structure, a lot more commitment to defense if they want to move above some of the teams that are higher than them in the rankings. And I mean, quite frankly, you look at some of the teams that are ahead of them. Um, there's no reason the Nashville Predators should be ranked ahead of the Winnipeg Jets. Same goes for the LA Kings. Uh, you can maybe even make the case for Vancouver as well. But you look at those teams, and especially LA and Nashville, those those forwards know how to play defense. They are a difficult group to score and play against. And that, until the Jets can, can harness that, I'm going to have to kind of see it before I can believe it when it comes to pushing them a little bit higher up the rankings. The other issue is, you know, when you talk about the the 8th in goals for, 11th in expected goals for, that was also with a full season of Paul Stasny and about 50 to 60 games of Andrew Kopp. Neither of those players has been replaced yet. So while those numbers look pretty solid, you know, just, just taking a glance at them, you know, not not the two biggest contributors to that on the team, but but two pretty significant middle six pieces there are gone. And right now, there's no real clear plan as to how to replace either of those guys right now. And, and so that kind of comes into the equation and pushing them down a few spots. And the final one, and it's one that I've hammered on for a while now, but quite frankly, the Jets' bottom six is among the worst in the league. And look, you can have as good of a top six as you want, even if you even if you really really load on those minutes to the top two lines, you're still asking the bottom six to play at least a third of the game. It's a large large chunk of the game, and in some cases, you know, a little bit closer to a third or even half. Right? There's there just needs to be quite frankly a lot more production. Whoever's in that bottom six this upcoming year, because the Jets in the past had a dynamic top six that could outscore the bottom six woes. That, that doesn't exist anymore. There's good players there, but it's not to the level that it was. And whether it's a surprise internal addition or, or one or two external ads, that's going to have to be, I, I think, the main area of focus for Kevin Sheveldayev to improve this team going into this upcoming season. But thank you so much for the comment there, Ryan. Great question. And I love, love talking hockey with you. Um, we'll get to comments on the defense and the goaltending in just a second here. But before we do that, let's give a quick shout out to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Because while training camp in the NHL is right around the corner, a new football season is even closer on the horizon. Week one of the NFL is almost here. And DraftKings, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a major deal to kick things off where you can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. And a reminder as well that you can experience even more thrills with DraftKings' early win promotion. This is what I'm talking about. If your team gets up seven, you win. That's it. No need to watch the rest of the game. No stress. No worries. Bet on any NFL team of your choice. And if they lead at seven points at any point during the game, you get your money instantly. That's the way to get it done. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code THPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. 
All right, so a few more comments and questions to get to here. Uh, now, <laughs> these ones weren't necessarily um, positional-based, but there were a couple funny, maybe not so funny, comments just about the state of the team as a whole with, um, I guess, maybe the lower-than-expected rankings, at least where I have the Jets going into this upcoming season. Um, I think Plungerhead might have said it best for a lot of people. Didn't even necessarily agree with my rankings. I just put him out there, and he very, very subtly just put FML in all caps. And that was it. <laughs> so I'm sure there's some people out there that, that feel the same way Plungerhead does. But uh, thanks for that one there, buddy. Um, Vince Thiessen, not even excited for this year. No improvements on last year's team that missed the playoffs. Pretty easy to predict future. Look for a season golf pass, boys. Oh, that's a that's a pretty tough comment there. And uh, Lumpy, my man Lumpy on Twitter said, "Yeah, seems pretty close. With a lack of off-season changes, I don't see a playoff run in the Jets' future." And I totally get the frustration. You know, the Jets, quite frankly, just did not have a good off-season. I mean, bordering on on awful. I, I know that's harsh, but. You know, this was this was a team that was in need of significant changes in, in one way or the other, one direction or the other, and they did they just didn't pick a lane. And I think that's kind of what fans were were hoping for. I, I think the Jets honestly could have sold going for it, they could have sold rebuilding it, but the one direction that fans were not gonna be happy with, the majority of fans were not gonna be happy with, would be just running it back, hope Rick Bonus is the answer, and let's have Connor Hellebuck steal a few games on the way. I I, I just think fans have, have seen enough. And there was hope for a lot more. They were maybe even promised a lot more and, and haven't gotten that just yet. There is a bit of time, not much time, but we'll see if maybe a hat, a, a rabbit can be pulled out of the hat before the season gets underway. Um, now, from the defense core, uh, we'll start with Nathan Fraze. Nathan Fraze said, just quite simply, past years makes it feel like the defense is ranked too high. That's a fair comment. I mean... It's been, what, five, six years since you could point to the Jets and say, yeah, that's a, an above-average decor. <laughs> that, that's a good to great defense core. Um, and, and that's been this team's biggest Achilles heel for three to four seasons now, is that they just do not play strong defensive hockey. But kind of like I alluded to there when talking about the forward group, you know, I, I don't think this Jets defense group is a world beater. I, I, I don't think they sniff the top 10 either. I, I think... You know, I, I might agree with Nathan in the sense that 17 is, is probably best case scenario as to where you would put the Winnipeg Jets defense group. But I do feel like they have been done absolutely no favors by this team's forwards. I, I just think they've been hung out to dry far too often. That's where the confusion inside their own zone has has really stemmed from. And they've been put in tough positions. And they're not they're not talented enough to to overcome an iffy forward group that that isn't willing to commit to defensive play um so I, I I do believe that you know if Rick Bonus can instill a sense of structure here that we will see that defense group maybe play above the the names that are out there right now um but I I, I totally get where, where you're coming from there Nathan um may, maybe even looking back at it I might I might drop them a spot or two but but ultimately this to me the the rankings thing isn't should they be you know, 17th or, or 18th or 19th, it's, you know what, this kind of gives you a sense of where the Jets sit in the league, and I would say it's fair to say that the Jets have 
an average to below average defense score, which is kind of where 16, 17, 18th overall in the league gets you. So that's why I, I came to that, even though the defensive play has been an issue for so long. But thanks for the comment there, Nathan. Um, David Smith, meanwhile, has a slightly more positive, optimistic view of this team's blue line. And he says the defense has a chance to move up the rankings if Sandberg and Hanela play regularly. Uh, that is a very, very popular <laughs> line of thinking, David, that and I don't even know if you can necessarily even call them kids all that much anymore. I mean, Sandberg's closer to 25 than he is to 20, and, and Hanel has been a pro for three or four seasons now. Um, but I know a lot of Jets fans are just hoping and praying that those two getting into the lineup, getting regular time, isn't isn't necessarily a hindrance to to the way this team plays inside their own end. And and I, I'm completely on board with that. And I, I would agree with you, David. I, I, I mean, th to me, that's their... Their best avenue, that the only hope they have of moving up in the rankings, is to have guys like Sandberg and Hanela playing on the second and on the third pair, getting minutes and, and growing and, and gaining experience and improving by getting actual game time and, you know, 14, 15 plus minutes a night. I, I, I completely agree with that. That's not to say that guys like Brennan and Dylan and, and Nate Schmidt aren't effective players still, but not that they've passed their expiration date, but I think. They've, they, I, I think it's fair to say they've plateaued as as NHLers. You're, you're not going to see Dylan or Schmidt come out this year and deliver high-end second-pair value or, you know, borderline top-pair value. As, as good as they have been, that's just not in the cards for them at this stage of their career. You can't say that with Sandberg and Hanela, though. And I'll tell you what, watching Dylan Sandberg play at the end of last year, I, I'm sorry, I just, I cannot be convinced that he is not the second best left shot defenseman in this organization right now. For for me, it's Josh Morrissey, Dylan Sandberg, and then we have an argument talking about Brendan Dillon and, and Billy Hanela. You could throw Stanley and, and Nate Schmidt, although he's kind of more of a right shot defenseman playing on his offside at this point in his career. Um, but I, I, I just, I really don't see a reason why you wouldn't start the year Morrissey, DeMello, and then Sandberg and Pionk as your kind of lock it in, write it in with permanent ink, top four. And then you leave that final pair to, to battle it out between Dylan, Schmidt, Hanel, and Stanley. And, and hey, may, may the best man win at that point. That, that's the way I would like to see things play out. Um, I I really don't know if we're going to see Vili Hanel get a shot to start the season here. It's going to take a trade of either Brendan Dillon or Nate Schmidt. That's the only way, the only avenue to get in, into regular playing time for Billy Hanela this year. It, it sucks to say, but, you know, going into this training camp here, I, I didn't think it would be a possibility, but I think Billy Hanela is destined to start the year in the AHL, and, and there's nothing he can do about it. And that's a really, part of my language, but that's a really shitty headspace to be in if you're a young player here. Like, you, you should feel like if I, if I come out with a, with a dynamite training camp, and I, I, I really show my worth in the preseason that I, I should earn a spot on this roster, but I, I just don't envision a way that can happen here. And you take into account as well that Jonathan Kovacevic could be lost on waivers if, if the Jets do waive him and he doesn't end up making the team this year. I, I just, it's a numbers game. And, and right now, Vili Hainala is a lot easier 
to go up and down through the waiver wire. You don't have to lose them, and, and you can still play guys like Dylan and Schmidt and possibly have Kovacevic on the full-time roster as well. So it sucks. I, I agree with you, David. I think this defense could be a little bit higher in the rankings by the end of the year if Sandberg and Hanela are playing regularly. But at the very least, to start the season, I, I don't really anticipate it that way. I think we see Dylan Sandberg play, and I hope I hope it's on the second pair, but I can't say that with, with full confidence just yet. Um, but it's going to be tough for me. It's going to be tough to see Rick Bonus putting Vili Hanela up over one of or both of Brendan Dillon or Nate Schmidt, who are still, you know, Pretty, pretty solid NHLers there. It's going to take a trade for the young Finn to uh, to get into the lineup regularly. But thanks for the question there, David. And that, that, that'll that be honestly quite possibly the, the one thing Jets fans are going to be looking most intently on as the preseason uh, rolls through here. And uh, finally, we'll get to our last question and we'll shift things over, the, over to the goaltending to wrap things up. Um, and it comes from Byron the Bulldog. Byron, once again, thanks for the comment here. But Byron says... What would be a good number in terms of starts this year for Connor Hellebuck and then, therefore, as well, David Riddich? Thanks for the uh, question there, Byron. I mean, for me, I just, look, and this it's not a knock on Hellebuck. It's not a knock on any goalie. I, I don't think any goalie in today's NHL should be playing well over 60 games anymore. I, I just, I, I don't see it. And especially when the schedule gets more condensed, I just think you're doing more harm than good in the long term, both throughout the course of the season and potentially the playoffs, but then also, you know, throughout the, the course of a player's career. I, I just, I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. And this is kind of why I have a little bit of trepidation about Riddich coming in for Eric Comrie, um, who had just a, a tremendous season last year. You know, you could maybe bank on Eric Comrie playing 20-25 games this year and, and feeling pretty good about that, uh, you don't necessarily feel the same way going into this year with, with David Riddich in the fold. Now, having said that, we were saying the same thing last year about Eric Comrie. The kid comes in and he plays lights out and he's you know battling for a starter's job in Buffalo right now. So so there is that to take into account here. Maybe David Riddich can uh, you know pick up a little bit of, of good vibes and whatever else Wade Flaherty is, is throwing at all these backup goalies over his tenure with the Jets, but I think that's kind of where I, like, I, I think for me, I, I would try to cap Connor Hellebuck at 60 games, and then David Riddish gets 22. I, I think that's a good number. I, I think I think that's probably the sweet spot, you know, for, for Hellebuck to be a workhorse, but you're not overworking him at the same time. It's, it's tough for a backup goalie, too, to try to get into a rhythm playing, you know, 10, 12 games over the course of a season. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, hey, you get paid to do it. I get that. Nobody asked you to do the job. You, you weren't forced into doing it. But I, I do like when a backup goalie can get maybe, you know, two or three games in over the course of a couple of weeks. And he can kind of get that feeling back and, and get a bit of a rhythm going. Um, I, I really don't anticipate it playing out that way. I think Hillebuck is much more likely to be in the high 60s than the low 60s this year. I, I think we're going to see the same old, same old. Um it may end up working out for the team. <laughs> that That's kind of the funny thing about all this. You know, Hellebuck has a pretty solid track record of, you know, not being overworked so far. But I, I do wonder if last year we saw a little bit of 
infallibility with him for the first time. And, and I, I just think that giving him, you know, a couple nights off here and there will give you a sharper, more focused, well-rested Connor Hellebuck. And I think that's the best path for him to play at a, at a, at a Vesna level once again this year. So I, I would cap it at 60. I'm not going to be shocked if it's much closer to 70 than it is to 60 this year. But thanks for the comments. Byron there. And thank you, everybody. Everyone that, that sent in a reply on Twitter or a comment on social media or whatever it is, really appreciate it. And as always, I really appreciate you guys tuning in as well every single episode here on Skates and Plates. But that is going to do it for us here. We're going to wrap it up. We're going to call it a week. We're going to head into the long weekend in style. So thank you so much once again listening to Skates and Plates right here on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Rewicki. We'll get back at it on Tuesday with the big kahuna of the ranking series, the team rankings. Where do the Winnipeg Jets stack up as a team going into this upcoming season? And will they be on the outside or the inside of the playoff bubble for 2022-2023? We'll get to all that and more when we return after the long weekend. Until then, though, stay safe, everybody. Have yourselves an awesome Labor Day weekend. Let's watch some green ass get kicked by the Bombers on Monday. Until then, though, peace.